Welcome to Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast, Episode 36. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, a private pilot sharing my tips and tricks to make the skies a safer place. In today's episode, we'll be discussing how to improve your HC communications. Stay tuned for all this and more and Squawk 5353. Before we begin this week's episode, I'd like to encourage you to consider donating to my Patreon. For those of you who don't know, Patreon is a way for you to financially support the show. This show takes a lot of time each week to research, write, record, and edit. It would mean the world to me if you went over to my Patreon and donated to the show. A link to my Patreon can be found in the show notes. And now to today's main topic, improving your ATC communications. Learning how to talk on the radio is important, but many pilots spend far too much time stressing about it. It's right up there with crosswind landings on the list of the most uncomfortable parts of flight training, but it doesn't have to be. For a start, remember that most communication mistakes are not fatal. You can almost always try again if something isn't clear. So the fear is really public embarrassment more than a critical safety issue. That means improving your communication skills is mostly about feeling comfortable and confident. So how do you feel more confident on the radio? There is no substitute for practice and experience, but there are some habits that can accelerate the process. Firstly, you should know your roles. Everyone has a specific role to play, and the whole thing works best when everyone plays their role and nobody else's. That means you should know what's expected of you. There are many resources out there in which you can learn your role and know what you are responsible for as a pilot in command. These resources include the Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge or the Pilot Controller Glossary. However, I have found the most helpful resource is the Aeronautical Information Manual or the AIM. This provides a complete list of proper phraseology as well as includes things that you are required and not required to read back to controllers. While you should only perform your role, you should still have an understanding of the system or everyone's roles as a whole. Your responsibilities as a pilot or an aircraft are much different than those roles held by a tower controller compared to a ground controller or compared to someone working in a tracon. While you are required to know certain information about the air traffic control system for your written test, there is information above and beyond what is required for you to know which will help you become a better and more equipped pilot when you're dealing with times of high air traffic volume. Once you understand what the tower controller is responsible for compared to the approach controller, your next radio call will make a lot more sense. After all, knowing what to expect is essential for good communications. Here's an example of this. If you know that a trach on airspace, also known as an approach controller, is usually within about 30 miles and 10,000 feet of the main airport, you won't be surprised when you're told to contact center or radar service terminated at 29 miles away from the airport. While this may catch some pilots off guard, if you knew that you were exiting their airspace and entering a new airspace, you would be less flustered when this initial radio call to you was made. Once you know the roles that different pilots and controllers play, try to keep an ongoing picture of the airspace around you as you fly. Don't just listen for your end number, use the other airplanes on your frequency and controllers comments to build your own mental radar display of where everyone is and where they're going. This shouldn't come at any expense of flying the airplane, 
but with some practice, it should come very naturally. Doing this will improve your overall situational awareness and is a good failsafe in case someone makes a mistake, but it always keeps you in the loop so you can anticipate what comes next. Some aircraft now are equipped with ADS-B in, while some other pilots use other types of ADS-B in in their aircraft, such as a Sentry or a Stratus. This helps with the process of creating a mental airspace or a mental radar. Aircraft or electronic flight bags equipped with this capabilities show aircraft's position, direction of flight, and altitude relative to your own. Seeing this information overlaid on an iPad or on your moving map in your aircraft is super beneficial and oftentimes will post an advisory if you are getting too close to another aircraft. With ADS-B in, you know where an aircraft is sooner, so you can start looking for an aircraft sooner. Oftentimes, a controller will tell you, look for traffic, you're 12 o'clock, about 3 miles. However, with ADS-B in, you could have been following this traffic inside the cockpit and then have eyes on the traffic before tower even tells you to look for the traffic. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, there's nothing quite like practice getting better at your radio calls. That being said, flight training or flight time is incredibly expensive and spending all of your time just practicing radio calls while sitting on the ground can be a waste of your time. There are many resources, both free and not free, which allow you to get better at your radio communications just by listening. The method that I used and still use is Live ATC. Live ATC is a free website which allows you to listen to any radio frequency in the world. While it's often fun to listen to the high-frequency oceanic channels, or the busiest of approach controllers in Atlanta, start somewhere with a reasonable amount of traffic, somewhere where you can process all the calls being made. While this method doesn't pair you up visually with any aircraft, it still gives you an understanding of what common radio terminology and phraseology is. An option that is a little bit more involved and requires you to live near a busier airport or an aircraft with a reasonable amount of traffic is to go to your airport and pull out your handheld aviation radio. You can simply go sit by the fence of the flight school with your handheld radio and listen in to the radio calls. This is more helpful because you're able to pair an aircraft with the radio call and call sign used by ATC. Not only is it good practice for your radio skills, but it's also a good practice for your mental radar. If an aircraft calls on the left downwind of runway 30, you on the ground should be able to place that aircraft in the sky and then be able to look for it. When you are flying and need to improve your radio skills, go to busy airports. Some students, especially if they train at non-towered airports, are afraid of towered airports. Don't be. The controllers are almost uniformly friendly and helpful, and you have every right to fly there. Mixing up with the big boys is great practice, and I found it to be a real confidence booster. If your instructor hasn't taken you to a busy airline airport, ask them to do it in an upcoming lesson, but plan to avoid the busiest push time, usually early in the morning or late in the afternoon. Madison, Wisconsin is a class Charlie about 100 miles south of where I'm based out of. This airport was where I had my first experience at a busier airport, and I ended up flying back on my solo cross country. While on my student pilot solo, I was flying in to land and I had a citation following me. Now me and my 172 could not keep up with the pace of the citation. I offered approach to vector me around so that the citation could go in front of me because they were coming up quickly on my tail. However, the Citation Jet, who is a private owner and knew I was a student pilot solo because I had advised on approach frequency, did everything in their power to maintain a low airspeed 
and maintain a proper distance so that they didn't have to make me go around or do random vectoring as I was just a student pilot solo. So while these busy airspaces can seem very stressful, there are still a lot of very nice and respectful pilots who all want the best for you, hence the safety of the skies. Somewhat related to the previous point, flight following is a major asset in learning how to communicate on the radio. Sure, the occasional low and slow don't talk to anybody flight is fun, but for regular training, it's a good habit to talk to ATC during cruise flight. If nothing else, it's great preparation for instrument flight, which is surprisingly similar to flight following. Slow down. It's tempting as a new pilot to talk as fast as you can, maybe in an attempt to sound like those silky smooth airline pilots. Resist the urge and slow down. If your mouth is ahead of your brain, you'll likely stumble on a word and lose your train of thought. Even on a busy frequency, a slow but carefully worded radio call is much better than a Mach 2 stream of words that has to be repeated three times. Finally, don't overthink. Some pilots view radio communications as a code or a secret society with its own unique passwords. That's a mistake. At the end of the day, pilot controlled communication is a conversation between two humans. When in doubt, explain what you need in the simplest terms. For example, if you forget that the ATIS you just heard was Information Charlie, and instead say, I just listened to the weather, it will still work out. You should strive to do better next time, but the controller will know what you mean. Likewise, while it might be precise to say, midfield left cross when runway 22, sometimes the brain freezes. Instead of panicking, just explain what you're going to do. We'll overfly the runway to enter the downwind. And when in doubt, ask ATC or another pilot on CTAF for clarification. In almost every other part of life these days, communications have become much more informal than they used to be. Maybe that's why the somewhat formal dance between pilot and controller is particularly intimidating for new pilots. The important thing to remember is that the formality is there for a reason. It saves time on frequency and reduces confusion on a scratchy radio. So the next time you're stressing about what to say, remember that the goal is to be brief and clear. Everything else comes second. As I advance farther into my IFR training, the radio communications have become more complex but are still the same as they were for VFR communications. While I might be given a long string of clearances and have to write them down and repeat them to the controller, I can always ask the controller to say it again or repeat it back slower if I needed to. Everyone is human and it makes mistakes and it's totally understandable if you don't understand or copy the clearance correctly the first time. It's better that you have a complete understanding of your clearance instead of trying to make up a clearance in your head what you think is what the controller gave you. This will lead to problems in the sky and will decrease safety for not only you, but all other pilots around you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to check out last week's episode where I talk about light sport aircraft. Again, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, please consider donating to my Patreon. Also, at this time, this podcast is looking for a new sponsor. If you know any aviation-related company, or any company in general, that is looking for a podcast sponsor, contact me. My email can be found in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to all the resources used in today's episode, as well as a link to my Instagram and my Patreon. Again, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, and let's make the skies a safer place. <laughs>